If you do have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, and we'll pick up uh, right in the beginning, in verse 1 of the book of Acts. Uh, We are continuing in our fall series called Witness, in which we explore what it looks like to be a vibrant and effective church in the midst of a post-Christian culture. Uh, And really, this series is going to unfold in three segments or three movements Uh, as we progress. Um, And uh, the first is what we've been starting with, which is just who we are and what we do. Uh, This time every year we do our vision series. So essentially this is our vision series, uh, but framed in the context of witness. What does it look like to be a vibrant and effective church? So we've talked about Uh, what it means to be a praying remnant, people who are crying out to God, who are actually expectant, praying for the renewal or revival of Western culture as it begins to slowly uh, disintegrate. What would it look like to see that? We're, We're a praying people. Uh, and we, we talked about the fact that we, ev- we do everything that we do in community. In, in this culture of isolation, we actually choose uh, community with all the pros, with all the cons, with all of the risk involved uh, in being vulnerable with others. We do things together. Uh, we've talked about uh, the scriptures, the value of being rooted in scripture, how that helps us to be a vibrant and effective church to flourish in our personal discipleship uh, in the truth crisis that we are slowly being ushered into. Um, and we're going to continue with who we are and what we do. Uh, this morning we'll be talking about our relationship to the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. Uh, and next week we'll talk about kind of more in depth what comes along with uh, a meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit in terms of gifts and manifestations. But all of these things, hey, who we are, what we do, the way we relate to the Spirit, the way we relate to the Scriptures, we're framing all of it in terms of what does it look like for us to be a vibrant and effective church in a post-Christian culture? What does it look like to maintain our saltiness, to borrow the language of Jesus, or to be effective witnesses uh, who actually see other people and ultimately the culture as a whole touched, transformed, renewed by the power of the gospel. Uh, As we look ahead into the coming weeks and months, the second sort of movement within the series will be studying the culture itself as any good missionary would uh, and sort of understanding, hey, how do we witness to this culture without being colonized or compromised by the culture that we are uh, witnessing to? And then the third and final movement, uh, we want to get really practical. Hey, what does it look like for us as individuals, for you in a one-on-one context, uh, to really connect, love, and invest in others in such a way that they come to uh, a saving, transforming knowledge of who Jesus is? Uh, So that's a glimpse of where we're headed in the coming weeks and months. Uh, We'll pick up this morning in Acts chapter 1 as we examine the role of the Holy Spirit in witness. This is Acts uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering on the cross... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Jesus, we um, just press into you now with a sense of hope, with a sense of expectation. Uh, would you speak to our hearts, Lord, uh, about what it looks like um, to be um, witnesses, empowered by the Spirit, Uh, in the midst of all of the craziness that is going on, in the midst of all these different versions uh, of fear and compromise uh, and watering down and whatever else it is, Lord, show us the way through the storm uh, and out the other side. In fact, show us how to operate within this storm in such a way that we not only flourish, but that the church in America would begin to undermine the storm itself by the way that we operate in your spirit. Would you come uh, as Savior, as Lord, and as teacher now to instruct us in how we might do that? In Jesus' name, amen. The Jesus movement uh, starts with a handful of disciples staring into resurrected eyes, touching resurrected hands trying to wrap their minds around the reality that Jesus is back from the dead, that he is, in fact, Lord and King. And and this message that Jesus is, is King has gained victory over Satan's sin and death, that his kingdom is breaking into this world, this message is then to be carried to every tribe, tongue, and nation on earth. But how are, we to, how are they to accomplish this mission as a handful of scared disciples? Uh, the short answer is that they can't. Not alone. They are a few uneducated men and women in a backwards corner of a marginal province at the edge of the Roman world. They have no cultural weight. They have no significant funding. They have no reputation preceding them. They have nothing. Nothing but an eyewitness account and a lot of doubts and fears holding them back. But, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And again in Acts 1, he says, do not leave Jerusalem. He says, hey, you're not ready yet. Stay here and wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A witness 
is one who is called upon to testify about the truth. And I find it fascinating that the disciples know the truth. They seem to have everything that they need to witness. They have mouths that can speak, feet that can walk. They have a willing mind and heart that have encountered the truth and know the truth. But, Jesus says, you're not ready yet. Wait The Holy Spirit will come on you. You'll be transformed. You'll receive power. And then you will go and be my witnesses. And it happens. Just as Jesus said it would. Uh, Weeks later at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes at last, fills the disciples with the empowering presence of God, and the church is born. Uh, The Jesus movement goes from dozens to thousands in a single day, and from there forward, they are off and running, spreading across the ancient world as empowered and effective witnesses that will eventually transform the entire known world with the power of the gospel in the centuries that follow. How did they do it? The disciples could not have anticipated the success that they had. No one would have bet on them to win the known world. In fact, on paper, it looked impossible. All the odds are stacked against them. It shouldn't have happened. But in the opening verses of Acts, the risen Jesus tells them, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, because that's where your power will come from. In chapter 2, the Spirit comes at Pentecost, and then chapters 3 through 28, the rest of the book of Acts, basically captures what life looks like in the power of the Spirit. The book is called the Book of Acts, or the full name would be the Acts of the Apostles, But in reality, a more accurate name for the book would be Acts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the main character in the book, and the main activity in the book is witnessing. Jesus connects these two concepts exclusively in the opening verses of the book of Acts, the Spirit and witness. And these become the central theme of the book. As you're reading it. How did the first disciples know where to go in the ancient world? Well, the easy answer is that they were led by the Spirit. How did they know who to talk to as they went out? They were led by the Spirit. How did they know what to say when they approached someone? They were led by the Spirit. This is just a few uh, snapshots of this in action from the book of Acts. Uh, This is Acts chapter 13. Uh, Nick, I think we have a slide for this. Uh, Now, this is what it says, Acts chapter 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. It's hard for us to picture, but this is a very, very diverse community. People coming from all over the ancient world forming one church, one body. 
while they were worshiping and the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And they went wherever God was calling them. Uh, in other places, Paul says, I wanted to go to Ephesus or wherever it was, but the Holy Spirit led us in a different way. Or I didn't want to go to the region of Philippi, but the Spirit compelled us to go to that region. So, so in terms of the big picture, where do we go? What cities do we go to? Where do we plant churches? Uh, where do we go about bringing this message of the good news, witnessing, evangelizing, all of that? Uh, everything came from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was guiding the big picture process. Every initiative in the book of Acts is His. They're just worshiping. They're just seeking the Lord. And through that process, they discern the Spirit of God is saying, set these two aside. I'll tell them where to go. Just start praying over them. We'll, you'll discern which city. I'll speak to you. That's the macro, big picture. Next, there's the, the micro, the sort of moment by moment. What do we do when we arrive in Ephesus? Who should we talk to? How do we go about witnessing? The Spirit is guiding as well. This is from uh, Acts chapter 8. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, a disciple of Jesus, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So just try and imagine that if you can. Philip's just praying, seeking the Lord. Lord, what do, you, what, do you want, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do? Go down to the road, to the desert road. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do when I get there? Just go down to the road. I'll tell you what to do when you get Just go down to the desert road. I'll show you. So he started out without knowing what would happen. On his way... He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury in Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. He's an important man in the ancient world. This man had gone up to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, in real time, go to that chariot and stay near it. Okay? What do I do when I get there, Lord? What am I supposed to, you just want me to go stand awkwardly by the chariot? Just go, Philip. Go and stand next to the chariot. I'll tell you what to do next. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. And as he arrived, he heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Him. In the course of this conversation, as the story unfolds in Acts 8, uh, Philip witnesses to who Jesus is and the resurrection, and the Ethiopian eunuch comes to Christ and is immediately baptized. Now, does any of that happen if Philip's not listening to the Spirit? No. He just lives out another day in Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus says... On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them 
and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. You don't have to prescript anything. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And all of this, kind of the the macro story, the micro story, the words that are given in a conversation, the power of the Spirit for witness, all of this is really great news because every single one of us has the Holy Spirit available to us by God's grace. It's not based on your morality. It's not based on how long you've been following Jesus. You belong to Him. You have the Holy Spirit. This is really good news. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how you're wired. It doesn't matter what your personality is. You can actually be guided by the Spirit and see the kingdom of God advance. God knows how to guide you. He knows how to speak to you, even if it's a little different than the way he would guide me. So I can uh, look around the room right now and say confidently that that everyone here is a follower of Jesus. You all have the Spirit, and God has a call on your life, and He can accomplish that through the Spirit. Not because you're good enough, but because He's good enough. So I could say Kelly and Ben and Matt Martin and and the cross Creeds, that God has a call on your life. He has this good deeds he's prepared in advance for you to do. He has people you are to witness to that maybe only you can witness to and a way of seeing his kingdom advance in your life that he can accomplish through the Holy Spirit. And that's great news. The bad news is that we don't have a dialed-in formula. We don't have a bunch of formal strategies When asking the question that we're wrestling with through the series, hey, how can I respond to the Great Commission and and become an effective witness in our post-Christian culture? The answer is to be filled with the Spirit, or or in the words of Jesus, be, be baptized with the Spirit, be flooded with the Spirit, and then walk in step with the Spirit. That's the easiest, shortest answer that we could give to that question. So so how and when and where do you plant churches? Well, it would be really easy for us to come up with a formula. Hey, when we see a leader who ticks all of these boxes and fits this mold and looks and talks the way that, that we do or I do, when they've hit this standard, then we'll kind of mark them as a church planter. And then we'll pull out a map and we'll look at the big cities around us hopefully cities that are on the rise, that are trending, that are developing, and we'll give them kind of man-made strategies and, and give it to that church planter and we'll send them to that city because that's where we think a church should be planted. Be really easy to do that. But that's not what we see in the book of Acts. What we see in the book of Acts is communities all seeking God together and all of a sudden the Spirit starts moving. The Spirit starts stirring something in your heart. The Spirit starts bringing you to life in a new way. The Spirit gives you a new dream that you never had before, that you didn't have when you woke up that morning. But all of a sudden, the the Spirit is stirring within you. So like the church in Antioch from Acts 13, we're just surrendering our lives to Him. We're placing our time, talent, and resources on the altar, so to speak. We're making those available to God. And then the Holy Spirit 
begins to do the rest. He begins to move in our hearts or in your heart for a specific time, place, and people that, that he's calling you to witness to. It, it doesn't conform to human wisdom and human strategy. It's something different. Some of you know that we recently sent out our first uh, church planting team. Uh, but for years, the Losis, who were the lead couple that we just uh, sent out, were around um, part of the church just seeking the Lord like everybody else. Uh, and there was nothing noticeably different about them. I mean, they're great people, just like everyone else here, but they didn't stand out from the crowd. They were with us for years, but then in a very short period of time, after being here for years, just seeking the Lord, all of a sudden, God woke them up, and, and, and they came to life in a new way, and they started just growing in leaps and bounds, and God gave them this dream, or reignited this dream, of planting a church. The Holy Spirit did that in them. It was, just, it was just a normal Tuesday. It was just a normal Sunday in a very short amount of time. This new uh, dream, they, they were activated in a new way. And, and not only did the Holy Spirit kind of bring them to life and activate them, but very clearly brought this team together of all of these people who were headed different directions. They all had plans. Well, I'm moving to California. I'm going to England. I'm staying in Spokane for the rest of my life. These are the people that the Holy Spirit handpicked and brought them together and ignited their hearts for one another. And I said, this is undeniable that, that the Spirit is doing something in us and birthing this new dream. And, and all of a sudden, it's not the people that I would have thought. It's not the people that I would have guessed. It's not the ones I would have bet on, but the Holy Spirit did it. He was activating people, bringing them to life. He brought together a team that, that I wouldn't have handpicked, but they have an amazing team. And, and even if you brought me that team that the Holy Spirit orchestrated and they said, hey, we're going to plant a church, I, I would have said, awesome, the South Hill's right there. Like, go find a great location on the South Hill and, and plant a church up there. We would love to see a, another church planted on the South Hill. But, but that wasn't what the Spirit did. He, he, brought, he birthed in their hearts a very clear vision for a time, place, and people that didn't conform to human wisdom and human strategy. And in a very short amount of time, Four of them, independently, the Spirit spoke to them, Maine. Portland, Maine. None of them had been to Portland, Maine. None of them had probably ever thought about that place before. If I had unrolled a map of the United States, it wouldn't have made the top 100 places I would have sent them to plant a church. Don't tell them. Okay, it doesn't conform to human wisdom, to human strategy, but that's the place that the Spirit had for them. He woke them up. He gave them the place. He gave them the, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas. Set aside for me the Loses and the Albions. Okay, Lord, we'll set them aside. They're marked by you. Let's start praying and fasting. Where are they supposed to go? Really? Philippi? Like, are you serious? Like, Portland, Maine? Like, are you sure, Lord? Like, can we pray and fast again and just double check that that's what you want them to do? It doesn't conform to what we would plan, but that's what happens on, on, on the macro level. Big picture, raising up leaders, planting new churches, all of that. At the same time, the same sort of method is true for personal witnessing in the moment. Each one of us, myself included, has to wrestle with that question. Hey, how do I engage with my neighbors, my coworkers, uh, my extended family, my immediate family in a way that points them toward Jesus 
rather than uh, repels them? How do I be a faithful and effective witness in their lives? Uh, How do I witness in a way that isn't forced or awkward? There's so much sort of negative reaction to those words now because of some of the ways it's been done. There's been a lot of damage done forcing evangelism through human striving and human strategy while being totally deaf to the Spirit. What is the Spirit telling you to do? What doors is He opening? It might not be the people you think. It might not be the time and place that you would have planned. And and yet, as we think about these concepts of of witnessing, of evangelism, these concepts that some of us kind of cringe at initially, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, there's been so much damage done. We need to reclaim those things as Spirit-filled, Spirit-inspired, Spirit-ordained activities. We make ourselves available. We seek the Lord, and the Spirit leads us in those things. But how do I know who to talk to? How will I know what to say, Lord, to my mom, to my brother, to my coworker, to this person sitting next to me on the airplane? Whatever it is, wherever he's activating you, whatever doors he's opening. Well, sometimes it's as simple as as a gentle nudge from the Spirit on a Monday morning. Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me in this moment? Go stand by the desert road. The desert road? What? What? Seriously? Just go stand by the desert road. I'll show you what to do. There's going to be an open door there. Or perhaps in our context in day and age, it, it sounds more like this. Lord, it's a Monday morning. I'm going into work. I hate my job, but you're at work here. What do you want me to do? Hey, go stand by the cubicle of your Ethiopian coworker. Okay? Go stand by the cubicle. And ask him about his weekend and listen. I'll guide the conversation. Nothing forced, nothing awkward. Just listen with love, with care and attention. Show my love to him. Go stand by the cubicle of your Ethiopian coworker. I'll tell you what to do next. All right, Lord. That's where you want me to go. I'll go and show your love to him. You guide the conversation. You give me the words. You give me the care. You give me the heart. And I'll go. Oh, and don't worry about what to say or how to say it, Jesus says. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it won't be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. In the micro and the macro, in the big and the small, we cannot be effective witnesses without the Holy Spirit. We just can't do it. And we'll talk about our culture in the weeks ahead. Our culture is not an easy one to witness in, and by some metrics, it is becoming harder. But I promise you that the early church had it way harder than we do. Way, way harder. And yet, they became effective witnesses in the power of the Spirit. Set aside for me Paul and Barnabas. There's a new city for them to go to. Go stand by the desert road. I'll show you what to do now. Go stand by that chariot. I'll give you the words to speak. Go engage lovingly with these people in your sphere of influence. And don't worry. Don't prescript it. Don't stress about what to say. For when the time comes, it won't be you speaking, but the Spirit of God speaking through you.
Some of you are going to be set aside for new works in the coming weeks, in the coming months, in the coming years. New missional communities, new churches to be planted, new nonprofits that are going to be started. New cities that you'll move to. How are we going to navigate all of that? How are we going to plan that? How are we going to know? The Holy Spirit is going to guide us in those things. He's going to activate people. He's going to plant new dreams in your heart. He's going to stir, and we're going to listen to those dreams as they're being planted. Every single one of us is called to witness to the truth and reality of Jesus in the world, to share this incredible saving truth with with lost people around us. How are we going to do that? How are we going to navigate that process? How are we going to know who to talk to? How do we know what to say? We'll know in the power of the Spirit. So as we um, close this morning, really simple. Um, You can clear off your laps if you want to. And Nick, you can come back up to the front. Uh, And we're just going to ask for more of the Spirit. No gimmicks, no yelling, no flashing lights. Just really simple. We're just going to say, God, we need you. If if we're going to do this, we need you. It's it's really interesting in terms of uh, the Holy Spirit stuff. Uh, The Pentecostal tradition is usually the one that catches a lot of attention for being very animated, very expressive in the Spirit. Uh, But I was was recently reading uh, my first uh, sort of Pentecostal theology book. There's a ton of experience in the Pentecostal tradition, not a ton of theology and books written about it. And I was reading my first book on that subject. And he said that this concept in in the... Pentecostal tradition of baptism in the Spirit, it's for witness. Out of that, you get incredible intimacy with God. You get this incredible encounter with with the risen Jesus. But it's not for the encounter. We actually seek it for witness. We seek it for mission. And I don't care what tradition you're coming out of, we can get on board with that. It's like, whoa, we need that Jesus. I need that to be empowered in that way by the Spirit of the living God, to be an effective witness. Let's pray.